welcome back to the Kicks and Picks podcast. Coach Steve here with Nick and Scott. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've done a regular episode because of the international break. And then I hope you guys got to catch their mini series on the Champions League, previewing the four matchups. Nick and Scott did a great job with that. And Scott, I know you threw out some great advice on your boy from Benfica. The name's escaping me right now. What's his name? Uh, Darwin Nunez. Darwin. I was trying. I, I was thinking of Charles Darwin. I couldn't think yeah. of his name. The Darwin explorer, Nunez. The biologist. Uh, that's how I remember his name all the time. But anyway, toot your own horn a bit because you gave out some great advice on those those previews. Yeah, I mean, I think Nick and I have kind of hit a groove there with the uh, Champions League quarterfinal previews. I'm pretty sure we, we nailed pretty much every game. I think we were a little bit more optimistic on Atletico, but I don't think a, a one nothing uh, you know loss at home to City is going to really hurt them. So still chances there. Uh, but yeah, nailed, nailed the Benfica. We knew that uh, Darwin Nunez and uh, Rafa Silva was going to be the guys that made the, uh, the offense tick for them. But still a great performance by Liverpool. I think getting that third goal by uh, my boy Luis Diaz at the end there really helped kind of make everybody oh. else rooting for Liverpool feel a little bit better returning to Anfield. Uh, and then today, yeah, I mean, I called it Real Madrid plus 160. Draw no bet was incredible value. Easy money especially considering what happened with Chelsea on the weekend. I mean, I had the over uh, two and a half goals against Brentford and Brentford pretty much got there and, and then some by themselves. So uh, coming off a game like that, you can't really expect much from Chelsea. I think there's a little bit of questioning going on, and especially when you have a team that has the aura of Real Madrid coming into your stadium. It's a, it can be a little intimidating whether or not they would admit it. So pretty happy with how the Champions League going on. Uh, hopefully we can continue to carry that into Premier League and, and Serie A. Definitely. I think, um, you know, you said we were maybe a little more optimistic on Atletico. I mean, I think Atletico did the job. Uh, if you guys follow us on Twitter, we gave out Atletico plus one and a half yesterday. That was a cash. Um, and I think Villarreal, got to give them a ton of yeah. props. I mean, let's, we, th- yeah, we I mean, said they were was, plus how much today? I think they're at um, least 300. Four, yeah. 400 or something 400. like that. But yeah. here's the thing. You know, we, we said that we thought Bayern would win the tie. I mean, I, I still – think we do believe that but we absolutely said Villarreal got here for a reason and that Bayern is a Champions League pretender that is starting to show today Lewandowski yeah. doesn't score doesn't shoot the ball um you know they're they're pretty much lost and if, if they can get exposed by Villarreal what are they going to do even if they do advance to that next round so another key point I think we picked up on it's all coming to fruition I mean I know we have another leg to go but follow along guys yeah, so I mean, mean Villarreal is more real than just the fact that they played <laughs> Juve, who's banned from the bet slip. That they're, you know, they're more, I guess, uh, uh, I don't know, con- not contender, but you know, they're a little more to be reckoned with than just a team that got past Juve. Yeah, there's I mean, quality on that team. Yeah, we, we talked about it. The, the third best defense in La Liga this year. Uh, that's no accident. That's a, it's a style of play. It's an intention. Uh, clearly, they showed it against Bayern, who have no shortage of attacking off uh, opposition players. Um, it's a good way to build a uh, knockout winning club, right? If you can just hold the other team's attack at bay and get, you know, pick your chances, then you can win a a two leg tie one, two Oh, uh, it, it it works. We we say it every week, right? The teams, especially underdogs, they take their chances. Mm -hmm. This is what happens. You know, you're seeing it. Yeah. And if you go into those games, not scared, especially when you play at home, the first leg, like Villarreal did you gotta oh, take the, your... the coach, Steve loves the home first. Well, leg. what I'm saying is if you're, no, if you're the underdog, you know, that emboldens you a bit. Now the stadium is holding, you're yep. not playing at empty stadiums anymore. We saw it this weekend, you know, in some of these Serie A matches, you see these full stadiums, the premier league, 
And now teams can get behind it. It didn't work out for Chelsea at home on the weekend or in the Champions League, but it worked for Villarreal today, right? Maybe sure, we're not maybe. as afraid of Bayern Munich. If we go to Bayern first and lose 3-4-0, yeah. it's dead. Now you got that little glimmer of hope. We won one nothing at home against them. Maybe yep. we can get get a, a 2-1 loss and go to extra time and, and nick them on no, penalties. And, and we give you a lot of shit for it, but I think you're exactly right. You know, we talk about home field advantage. Look, you compare it to American sports in, in some colleges, it could be massive and here, here and there in the NFL. But I don't think you can truly understand what home field advantage means to some of these football clubs. I mean, it, and like you said, we've missed it, I guess, for the better part of two years. And it's back and it's huge. I yeah. mean, it, it could be worth, it could be worth a goal in some instances. Yeah. Yeah. Certain players will wilt under the, under the 70,000 people screaming at them, whatever. And, and it might lead to that one mistake that causes a problem. I mean, I think back and I bring this one up because I'm a Roma fan, but I think back to the Olympico four years ago, champions league quarterfinals down four, one on aggregate to Barcelona. Roma gets that first goal. The crowd gets into it and the, and the team gets going. I know Scott's over there shaking his head, but you know, it, it helps. It does help. No doubt. Um, that's just, from a Rome perspective, I can vividly remember that. I don't watch a lot of other <laughs> Champions League matches because they're on when I'm at work, but, you know, that one I remember. And even the the next round against Liverpool, the, the home field played into it and Liverpool got, got by on a goal. Oh, but yeah. anyway, another reason why we did not record last week is because Nick and Scott were in the mecca of sports gambling, Las Vegas, Nevada. So, guys, I mean, now I can gamble from my couch in New York, right? Scott can do it from his couch. Every Almost anybody in the United States can do it. So, what separates still going to Vegas and going to the books? Maybe what's still better about it? Maybe what has lost its luster a bit about betting in Vegas? I mean, I think there's one major pro, maybe two major pros and one major con. Um, to me, the big pro, there's nothing like winning a cash bet. No. Uh, as, as much as fun as it is to increase your DraftKings or your, your FanDuel balance, that's still just a number at the end of the day. And it's just, it, it, there's a disconnect there. But when you have that winning slip and you, you go and cash that in and you get the, the, the 20s or the 50s in your hand that's there's something that hits different yeah. um I, you also gotta love just when you find that right sports book that's got the the lazy boy recliners that's got you know the 45 tvs that's got the free drink service coming around you can just watch you can watch a, a soccer game on one tv you got basketball or hockey on the other tvs that kind of atmosphere it's can't be recreated pretty much anywhere else um, yeah. I, I try to recreate that in my basement i I tried to get the okay from the future wifey to get the three TV set up. I <laughs> had to settle for two, but uh, it's just the atmosphere, the vibes can't be matched. Now, Scotty nailed it. There's, there's nothing, nothing will replace the true sports book experience collecting that cash bet. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we were there. It happened to be final four weekends. Well, now, you know, we enjoyed obviously the soccer, but just the sheer volume of people cramped into a sports book, you know who everybody's cheering for with every basket, with every kick, with every shot, you know, it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. There's absolutely nothing like that in the world. Um, but, you know, the one thing that sucks, and this is the first time that, you know, Scotty and I, I think have been out there since mobile betting really became mainstream in other States. Nevada's got some work to do, right? They, yeah. they've been the only game in town for quite some time and their experience is almost, stuck four or five years ago. Um, you know, you have to go register for a mobile account in person. If you want to bet on your phone, if you're not next to a sports book, you're out at the pool, you're out at the bar, you're whatever. Um, so that's a hassle. You can't deposit money electronically or withdraw money electronically 
easily, right? Two, three business days, or you have to collect at the sports book, or you have to deposit actual cash to your mobile account. It's all antiquated, right? You do this stuff on FanDuel, on DraftKings, on whoever. Um, it's instantaneous, right? It happens in seconds. And the third thing is you don't have quite the options that you have on your app, right? You can bet soccer. You know, we were there. I was asking for overs, unders, two-way, three-ways, props. The, the options are limited. Um, so couldn't find a draw, no bet anywhere. Had to just constantly take a spread. Well, so, that, that makes soccer betting tough when there's yeah. no draw, no bet. I had to take spread. So I was taking, you know, I, had, I think I wanted Lester draw no bet. I had to take them plus one worked out in my favor because the draw no bet would have just been a money back situation. So I still got the win there, but yeah, like there's a lot of times where you, you look at a team that's an underdog, you say, yeah, they got a pretty good chance winning here. And I'm willing to take a little bit of a hit on the, on the juice in order to have my money back if, if there is a draw. But uh, I think that was my big thing is, you know, you, you look up, I would look up the odds on my DraftKings app just so I could get an idea quickly instead of grabbing the papers. And then, you see something you like, you go to try to find it at the book and it's, it's not there. So. And yeah. And the other thing too, the ticket writers, right. They're not uh, as well versed in soccer as, as they are in other sports for obvious reasons, right. Not everybody's degenerates like us or the people who are listening to this. Um, so a lot of times, you know, you got, if you're throwing an obscure bet out there, or you're looking for something that they're not familiar with, they're never going to find it. doesn't matter how well you, you know, you can describe it to them. So that was an issue we ran into. Um, but that being said, I think we, we knocked it out of the park. I'm sorry. We weren't that present on Twitter, but I'm going to say combined, we probably went about eight and two, nine and two, um, over the week. It was just kind of carried over that momentum from our last podcast. We're seeing the board really well. We made a stupid bet on the Portuguese league. I don't know why. I don't know jack shit about Portugal, but looked like Benfica plus 140, uh, too good to be true. Turns out it was too good to be true. Um, so we lost that one, unfortunately. And then I did something I hate doing, but I had to do it. I temporarily unbanned Juve from the bet slip only because I was in Vegas. They just figured I was there. Got to do it. We're going to give them one more chance. They match up well. They should have smoked Inter. We can get into that game for another half hour. I won't and and they should have on the field, too. The scoreline didn't reflect if they outplayed them. Outplayed them multiple uh, tons and tons and tons of shots on target, off target. Couldn't get that goal. Suspect refereeing. But it just goes to show you, I tried to do a good thing and give them another chance. Shouldn't do it. It won't happen again. I don't care where I'm betting from. We'll never bet on Juventus again. It's okay. I went down that black hole, that, that wormhole or whatever you want to call it with you. I, I unbanned them too. I thought they would win. And we both went down in smoke <laughs> on that one. Brutal. The flame. So, you know, this is the kind of advice you're going to get from us at Kicks Picks Pod on, on Twitter. Scotty's been tweeting out the last couple of days during the Champions League. Great advice. He had a couple hits today. So, I mean, if you're not following us yet, follow us. Let, let your friends know about the picks, too. Let them f- tell them follow us, too, because the advice is there. We're trying to build up a following and help you guys out and hopefully cash in some bet slips. And if you guys have bets that you're putting in on the weekend, on the Champions League midweek, tweet them at us, at Pod, so we can uh, you know, help spread those, too, and help share your, your winning uh, advice because we love to see that. So, so that's against the books, right? You guys yeah. heard that. We're all in this together, right? If Somebody's got to take it home. Might as well yeah. be all of us. So it sounds like you guys were studs out in Vegas. Not everybody was a stud on the pitch this weekend, though. So let's get into our studs and duds, starting with Scotty. Yes, my, my first or my stud of the week, uh, I got to give him a tip of the cap because I had the Chelsea over two and a half. Uh, and at halftime, there were zero goals scored. So I assumed that was going to be my first big loss. Uh, my guy, Antonio Rudiger, shows up in the 48th minute, I think. 
and hits an absolute thunderbolt from about 40 yards out, uh, opened up the scoring, although ended up being mostly for Brentford uh, and final score of four, one cash, my over two and a half. So credit to you, Rudiger, you, you forced uh, Brentford to come out, you know, play, play a little bit more attacking style uh, gave me so, some, some winnings. We'll Shout just say you. I was on that with Scott as well. About the 40th minute, I was ready to rip up the ticket because the game was <laughs> nothing was going on. And that was exactly what the game needed for us to cash that bet. Yeah. yeah. They scored three in about 10 minutes, Brentford, right? Yeah. Sure. Quick. Did. Yeah. Quick. Um, my dud of the week has to go to Arsenal. Uh, they had all the momentum in the, in the world coming into a, a, a pretty big matchup against Liverpool a few weeks ago. Um, really looked to be the favorites for that fourth spot. Obviously lost the game to Liverpool, and now they just dropped another three points to Crystal Palace. Uh, obviously, Crystal Palace we talked about was a big time Jekyll and Hyde team. So uh, in this case, they were they were more Jekyll than Hyde, uh, but it really wasn't even close to right. It wasn't like a smash and grab. It was a fully 3-0, you know, beat down of a pretty, I would say, lethargic Arsenal squad. So. Now that Champions League race is back up, uh, you know, Spurs had a big win. It's pretty much anybody's is, uh, spot at this point. So that of the week for me, got to be Arsenal. No doubt. Um, so I'll take you guys through mine. My stud of the week is Son from Tottenham. He single-handedly destroyed Newcastle, and it was right as I was trashing him. Um, you know, I was just kind of, we're sitting there, we're watching the game. We all, um, Scott and I both had the over. I was like, man, you know, look, San's been playing well, but he hasn't really been scoring. And then I want to say maybe 10, 15 minutes later, falls in the back of the net, had a phenomenal game, goal, assist. He created just about every chance for Tottenham. It was the game they needed to have, and he showed up. So he gets the stud of the week, and he put me in my place. Yeah. And then my dud of the week, you guys can probably guess. <laughs> I just trashed him, but it has to go to Juventus, always Juventus. Mostly on suspect refereeing, but for the millionth time this year, couldn't get it done against a team that was kind of in shambles. The opportunity was there for the taking. They let us down. Dud of the week. I think that's yeah. more of a you dud of the week for taking them after them Fair. not being allowed Double to dud. Butt. Double dud. And just right. special special shout out to our dud of the season. Lionel Messi, he did score his third goal <laughs> in League One. So good for Lighten him. Lighten it He's up. Trying, climbing the charts. Trying but to get out of the dud relegation zone. I had PSG as the fourth team in a four-team parlay this weekend, and they came through for me. I was, you know, they, they well, the game they should have dominated. They he did dominate. So, he thankfully, that. he scored that third goal in a, in a match. I put money on them because, you know, sometimes they do blow those games. So, uh, Stud, I'm going to go opposite Nick. I'm going to go with Inter, and not because they played well. It was far from their most emphatic or beautifully orchestrated win of the season. They looked pretty disjointed on offense, honestly. Juve should have won the match. Uh, it was shocking that they didn't win the match, but it's a huge three points for them. It's uh, been an eternity since Inter won at Juve. I think they said, I think it was like 2012, they said on the broadcast, probably didn't deserve the win, but champions find ways to win when they're outplayed, get three points when they're outplayed on the road in a full Juventus stadium, Allianz Arena, which it hasn't been full for two years. Uh, maybe this is the match that sparks Inter's repeat because Milan dropped some points. And uh, the Nerazzurri still have that match in hand and can cut it to one point. So the revolving door at the top of Serie A is open, just like that revolving door in fourth place in, in the Premier League is open. And it just keeps spinning and spinning. And sooner or later, it's got to stop in, I guess, seven, eight weeks. But we'll see how it ends up. But Inter's schedule also favors them, which makes this an even bigger three points. Huge. All right. So speaking of marquee matchups, last weekend in Italy, we had, you know, the Inter-Juve Derby d'Italia, which is always big. We had Atalanta-Napoli. 
But I don't know if anyone is bigger than this weekend in the Premier League, Scott. Your boys, Liverpool, traveling to Manchester City, Sunday, 11.30 a.m. I mean, this basically decides the title. What looked like City had locked up a few weeks ago, it's, it's tight. This is, this is it. Yeah, we, we usually try to do the marquee matchup of the week here, but I think this is probably the marquee matchup of the season. I mean, you're talking about two of the biggest teams in Europe. Uh, two of the, I think they're the two most favored teams to win the, the Champions League still. Um, and they're coming into a, a game where they're a match where there's eight games left in the season. Uh, they're separated by just one point. Uh, you know, all the momentum right now is on Liverpool. I think they've been winning, you know, eight or nine games in a row. Uh, City have dropped points here and there. Uh, and yeah, like you said, coach, I think the winner of this tie uh, would likely be the heavy favorite to win the title. Um, a drop probably doesn't hurt either team. It just kind of kicks the can down the road. But, uh, you know, if you're Liverpool coming into this match, fully healthy, you got everybody available. Uh, you know, Trent was rumored to be hurt or he has been hurt. I think he's expecting to be back for this matchup. Um, it, it obviously played in the Champions League uh, game against Benfica yesterday. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a huge match. Um, hopefully the most watched watch match of the season, if not you know, the last five years. Uh, obviously, the, I think the only thing that might detract from this a little bit is we do have another matchup against these two teams again on Saturday against the FA Cup semifinals. So it's not the, the last time they'll see each other this season. Um, but if we're looking back at how these two teams played uh, again in October in their first uh, meeting, game was at Anfield as a 2-2 draw with De Bruyne coming in in the, the 81st minute, I believe, uh, scoring the equalizer. Uh, so a pretty big result there for City, you know, coming into to Anfield and, and leaving with at least a point. But as we just talked about, Champions League being a huge focus for both clubs, you know, this week, obviously, they have the second leg uh, midweek next week. Uh, who does that impact most? Uh, Liverpool have that 3-1 lead coming home to Anfield versus Benfica, whereas Man City maybe not doing as much as they could have or should have, uh, only have that 1-0 lead going to Atletico. Uh, do you guys think that's going to maybe impact this at all? So, so what this reminds me of, this is like boxing, right? These are the championship rounds. This is the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th round, right? This The schedule for these good top-of-the-table teams they are playing in other competitions, starting to get condensed. And, um, you know, whoever has the depth really has a leg up. But not only that, I, I agree with what you're saying, Scott. Um, the Champions League impacts them, but they're kind of – I don't want to say they're trending in opposite directions, but one team looks the part and, and one's kind of struggling. And for me, even though City's had the advantage the entire season, they got off to that unreal start, they're laboring a little bit, right? Yeah. We, we've They're not blowing teams out the way they were in September, October. And, of course, that's not sustainable for the whole year, but you want to peak at the right time, and I'm almost wondering if City has peaked a little bit early. Yeah. yeah, and Atletico is a tough team to play against. They play oh, no. very oh. tough defensive oh. style. They don't give Bruisers. you much. Yeah, they, they don't give you much. That that's that Cholo Simeone football, and he, they made it tough on City yesterday. I didn't see the match, but clearly it was tough to only win one nothing at home. Right now, got to go to Spain. You got that in the back of your mind. Whereas Liverpool, you don't want to say they cruised against Benfica, but three ones a little more comfortable, did what a little they less. Yeah, did what was expected. A little less rough and tumble type game, you know. And you can't really afford to rotate in a match like this, right? You got to play your best 11 in both yeah. matches. Maybe Liverpool has a little more leeway in the second leg against Benfica to bring a couple rotational players in. And then if you, you get into trouble, you can bring a couple starters in as subs. So I think in that regard, it favors Liverpool just a little bit more because sandwiching between Champions League quarterfinal matchups, this is tough. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Nick, you pointed out the the depth is what's going to get them through. I think this is probably the first time these two teams have played, and you might look at Liverpool and say they have the better depth, right? They actually have five like world class forwards that they can rotate through. Now we've always talked about the traditional front three with Firmino, Mane, and Salah, but now you have Luis Diaz and Diego Jota to complement them, and oftentimes starting over them. I mean, yeah, they were able to kind to Mane. We'll, we'll yeah. agree to disagree there, but he's, he's obviously done the job for Liverpool. I mean, he's <laughs> one, one AFCON for, for Senegal, qualified yeah, for the World Cups, scored against Benfica. I mean, he's he's had an up and down season, but still on his day, no. he's world class. It, you look at what they did. They were able to sub out uh, both those guys, uh, you know, besides Salah for at the 63rd minute against Benfica. The game was pretty much in their favor. And then you're able to bring on Diego Jota and Firmino uh, to, you know, give them some game time. The, their front five is going to be pretty fresh. Their back line, they now have, you know, three, maybe four, you know, world-class uh, center backs between Van Dijk, Kanate, Matip, who's having probably his best year uh, in a Liverpool shirt. And then Gomez, who really hasn't gotten much game time, but he was the up-and-coming 20-year-old for uh, the England squad before he got that you know rough knee injury two seasons ago. But again, he's played you know right back for Trent while well, while Trent was out, had the assist uh, against Watford uh, for Yota. So really, a lot of depth throughout the team, and with no injuries coming into it, I think it gives them a bit of an advantage. Yeah, and I think City succeeded in spite of their lack of a true forward. I mean, oh yeah, depends on who you talk to. You know, people people are real high on on some of these guys they brought in. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I think that's my big question for City coming into this match is, you know, who are they going to start in that center position? Uh, I, I assume. I mean, we can't really assume, but I would assume in the biggest match that potentially they'll play all all season in the league, they'll have Mares and Sterling based off of form. Um, you know, Mares has had several goals and assists over the last five or six games for, for city Sterling had a, almost a hat trick, I think two, two or three weeks ago, um, that have a couple of band of the match performances. So you assume that they will be starting on the wings, but in the center, your, your options are limited. I mean, Graylish has started there in the first match uh, against Anfield. Um, Foden has been there time, time again, time and again, excuse me, time and time again. But so far this year, they've only had two goals, uh, two goals combined in 2022 for those guys. So I don't know that you can really trust them up top. So do you look towards a Gabriel Jesus or, or some other you know, op- uh, option? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think there's a reason why they were linked to Harry Kane all summer, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's been hurting them. And, you know, obviously that there's a lot of chatter about them going after Holland or, or Kane in the summer. I mean, it's that's maybe important increases the emphasis of the importance of this game for Liverpool, because if city go out and do get somebody of that quality to, to lead the line, I mean, it, you may as well just give them the league because they're not going to, they're not going to lose you know, more than yeah. two or three right. games all year. And I know you've highlighted some key players for us here, Scott, that you're going to give us in a second. The one thing I'll, I'll just say is it almost feels like one of those games where De Bruyne is going to have to score. And, yeah. and you can't re- like, it's impossible to rely on a midfielder to score goals, right? You, that's not sustainable. But it feels to me like this is a game where he's kind of going to have to take over one way or the other if City has a chance. And this yeah. is the problem with playing the false nine sometimes, right? We saw it with Napoli when they were good under Saudi. They would play that very small false nine, the diminutive players, the Mertens, the Insigne, and uh, Calejon rotating. And Only it works so some far. matches, but then you miss that striker. Like now, you know, see Napoli has Oshiman, and that makes a difference in the way they play. A different manager, sure, but... I don't know. Sometimes I feel like you need that number nine, right? You need that guy who can really yeah. just bang in goals. 
the guy that can create his own his own opportunity and, and convert it, right? I mean, De Bruyne has bailed out City a few times uh, this season where he's had like the 26-yard screamer that just finds his way to the top corner and it gets him the 1-0 win. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to have a lot on his shoulders. I mean, he played really well in the, in the first leg, obviously, like I said, scoring that, that game winner or the game equalizer in the 81st minute, but you know, can you expect on a repeat performance of that from him? Yeah. I, I also laughed too. I, I put this on Twitter. Um, Jamie Carragher talking about how De Bruyne, if he wins the champions league with, with city has to go down to city's best ever player and uh former city. Great. Mike, I, I say great lightly. Um, Micah Richards called him out and says he doesn't compare to David Silva, which was bananas to me. Cause I, I mean, don't get me wrong. David Silva is a great player, but I don't remember him really carrying or, or winning entire games for, for a Manchester city squad that is this capable. Um, but they're going to be relying he, he on him was, a lot. He was a better piece of a bigger unit and he fit yeah. perfectly. Like I don't yeah. think anybody else could have done what Silva did at the time for city, yeah. but the Bruyne is a different animal. Yeah. Silva also had a Guerrero in front of him who was probably yeah, had, you know, the most prolific attacker. But yeah, yeah, Torre backing him up. We also, at the same time, we're talking about, you know, City may not, they may need a lot from De Bruyne here. I, you'd expect to say the same about Salah and Liverpool, where if, you know, Liverpool is expected to get a result, you would almost need something from Salah in terms of goals or assists. But he's been a bit of a rut lately. Uh, only uh, one goal and zero assists since that Carabao Cup final back at the end of February. So Liverpool have obviously been unbeaten in March, have had a great run, uh, but that's been without you know, their best player performing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this match. It's going to be, you know, the time for him to break out is now or, or else you're gonna have to look elsewhere for, you know, between Diaz and, and, and Jota to, to score these opportunities. Um, but it's kind of interesting. It, it's not something you'd expect from a player like Salah. So if you're going to pick two players to keep an eye on, Scott, who are you looking at? Yeah, I, I think for me, City, uh, it's got to be Yao Cancelo. Uh, probably been one of their best three players this season, maybe the probably, I would probably say the best left back in the league. I think there's Liverpool fans that'll fight me about Robertson, which fine, but for being honest, it's got to be, you know, Cancelo. He's going to be everyone responsible for marking Salah. So when Salah's coming down that city left-hand side, it's going to be up to Cancelo to, to, you know, get up on him, you know, disrupt the play, keep him under wraps uh, and not let him really make any problems in the box. You know, we love, you know, we know that Salah loves to get in the box, uh, get players to challenge him. Um, you know, have that threat of winning a penalty if, if they don't get up, if they get too close. Uh, so it's really going to be on him to, to stop that part of the attack. And then on the other side, we know that one of the biggest strengths of Cancelo is he's able to create and score goal opportunities. And, you know, with the opposing right back being in his lane with, with Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's going to have that opportunity to get in behind. You know, we've seen time and time again where Trent gets really far up the pitch, leaves a huge amount of space behind him. And if you have a, a pacey left back or even a left winger, they can exploit that and get in behind. And, and we saw that against, uh, against Inter, uh, where we saw, um, uh, what's his name? Help me. Uh, their left back. Croatian. Oh, Perisic. Perisic. Thank yeah, you. He's uh, midfield, like midfield. left wing back. Yeah. Yeah. Perisic was getting in behind and creating opportunities for Latoro. Um, I think that opportunity will exist for Cancelo. So for me, I think if, if Kinsella has a great game, he pockets Salah or at least keeps him at bay and is able to create behind Trent, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for City to take this. On the other side... Like who's going to get forward faster, right? Who's going oh, to get forward more? If, if, if this ends up being an open game, which I kind of expect it to, because I think both teams will want the win and be able to say, like, all right, we have this breathing space for these last seven uh-huh. games, that's going to be where the action happens. On the Liverpool right side, 
the city left side. For Liverpool, I think the key player is someone that wasn't even available uh, in the first leg or in the first matchup, uh, and that's Thiago. So Thiago, we know, is a world-class player, has won it all in, in every league. Um, but obviously missing out in that first game, it, it really allowed City's midfield to control the entire uh, match. So there was a few attacking opportunities for Liverpool. They were able to be clinical. Salah had a great game created when there often wasn't a lot available. Um, but Thiago will help control that midfield and control the pace of the game for Liverpool. So not only is he going to be able to you know, break up plays in the midfield, hopefully keep uh, De Bruyne a little bit off balance. He's going to have those line breaking passes that Liverpool's front three are really going to need to get behind Man City's back line. Uh, Man City are going to be without Ruben Diaz for this match. There's a hope that he'd be available, but they mentioned that it's going to be a, a six week uh, window for him instead of the four week window. So that means it's probably going to be stones and Laporte uh, in that center back positions for a city, not a lot of pace there. So there's going to be opportunity for if it's Mane starting in the center or, or maybe Firmino um, to get in behind those two, to watch Salah make diagonal runs to let Diaz make diagonal runs. Uh, and it's going to be Tiago. That's probably gonna be the one providing that service. So expect to see Tiago play a big part in this one, linking the back line. You know, Liverpool love playing out from the back to those front three that are going to need service to create opportunities and score the goals that are probably going to be needed. I mean, there's probably going to be four, maybe five goals in this match. Traditionally has been anyways. And, and I think it's going to be, you know, key for Tiago and whoever is partnered with him in midfield in front of Fabinho to, to supply that service for Liverpool's front three. Well, yeah, so, with that point, so Nick, run us through those lines. Yeah, it was just going to – I'll start with that one. The over two and a half is minus 145. Uh, so I think that speaks to exactly what Scott just mentioned. Under is plus 120. Um, and then both teams to score, heavy, heavy favorite here, minus 180. And if you're not looking for both teams to score, you can get that at plus 135. And a very interesting thing – um, compared to most of these games is every goal scorer currently on the board, every player, I should say, currently on the board is plus 160 or higher. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those games and we've talked about it at length and um, pick somebody you like and, and put some money on them. This is the game to do it. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't care if that's De Bruyne. I don't care if that's Jota. I don't care if that's uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, whoever you like, this is the game where you're getting almost max value. Because there will be goals, and it doesn't seem like Vegas can pinpoint who they're going to come from. Yeah, I think a good strategy there is wait to see who the front three for Liverpool are. Uh, yeah. There's three, there's you know five to choose from. If you got three of them that are going in, take two. You know, yep. put money on them. Chances are, we call that the, the Coach Steve Sassuolo strategy. Yeah, the Sassuolo <laughs> Steve strategy. Uh, and I think there's a good chance that you'll you'll get at least one. Right, uh, you got to figure Liverpool is going to find some way behind. You know, yeah. the Manchester City's in, hurt back yeah. line, but. Uh, if you get two, now you're looking at real money. So Yep, and, and same thing with City. Take a look at um, free kick takers. Take a look at penalty takers. Take a yep. look at guys who are bumbling in the box on a corner kick. There's going to be a ton of chances, ton of set pieces. This is the game to take a goal scorer prop. Um, and then when you're just looking at the, the straight odds, uh, on the money line, City is even money. Pool plus 255, a little lack of respect. I think that just has to do with the home field advantage that we spoke about. Um, great, great, great value on pool. Draw plus 275. And then even on the, uh, the draw no bet, Liverpool is plus 155. City minus 195. And if you're looking to take that goal line spread, Liverpool plus half a goal is minus 115. Um, so really, really, really good numbers on Liverpool. That, that's yeah. I mean, that's how I'm leaning. If you listen to Scott talk about them, they have 12 World Cup, 
world-class <laughs> players. He just mentioned every single one of them. Um, but, you know, I think I'm going to assume uh, for Steve as well, we're all pretty much in agreement with what we've been saying. Liverpool is the play for me. I don't care how yeah. you take them. Do whatever you like, but Liverpool is, is where my money's going. Yeah, even draw no bet at 155 is, is very good value. Yeah, there's a little bit too much of an emotional <laughs> investment in this game for me to also get financially invested. So I will probably be abstaining at this point. No but doubt. There's, not, there's I, nothing better than a double win, but there's nothing worse than, worse a, double than a double loss. loss. <laughs> I can already tell that this, this group chat on Sunday morning is going to be me trying to like reverse jinx the jinxes that Nick and Coach C are putting out there. So it's oh, gonna there's going to be daggers everywhere. It's going to be up to my A game to get this result for Liverpool. But no matter what, guys, this should be a, a fantastic game. We're all looking forward to it. it this is... This is what this is why we watch this game, and for most of us, why we bet on it. It's for games like this. Yeah, yeah. So that that's where you got to keep your attention. The Premier League, Serie A, uh, not as no marquee matchups this weekend. We talked about the Juve Inter match last weekend, but the title race is wide open. Napoli with the win over Atalanta last week, Inter with the win over Juve, Milan dropping two valuable points against Bologna in a zero-zero draw hurts their chances a bit, even though they're still at the top. So. Just keep an eye on the title race. Inter hosts Hellas Verona this weekend. Napoli hosts Fiorentina. Both tough matchups for those teams. Milan, again, has the quote-unquote easiest, but it's a trip to Torino who can be tough on their day. Um, And then the other one, keep an eye on Juve. They've got uh, some injuries. They're traveling to Cagliari, who's desperate for a win. If they slip up, maybe Roma can creep back into that fourth-place race. Roma's cruising. I hate to say it. Roma, They're uh, They're They're getting results. They're doing what they need to do. They're doing the best they can do with the squad they have, I think. And that's credit to Mourinho. Quite honestly, we've trashed him enough and he deserves most of it, but um, it's time to give him a little bit of credit. They're taking care of business and not many other teams are, are handling the teams they need to late unbeaten in 10 in the league, six wins, four draws. The Mourinho identity is really taking hold. I can, I can say it from someone who watches week in week out, the mentality is changing where a, a zero, zero that probably would have ended zero, zero ends up a one zero now, or that, right. that, you know, they're down to nothing. They come back and get the point in a 2-2. And they've done that a few times in this 10-match stretch. And they play bottom of the table, Slayer Nathan at home. So if Juve slips up again, things could get a little tighter. So just something to keep an eye on. Uh, and one other entertaining matchup you might want to keep an eye on is Sassuolo hosting Atalanta. There could be goals of plenty there with the way those teams play. Um, so speak with, with the table set, let's get into our hat trick of picks. Uh, Scott, you lead. Yeah, so starting things off, we got the money line pick. I'm going to go a little different than what we usually do. I'm going to hit the draw line. Nick loves the draw line. We haven't hit it, I don't think, on any of our picks so far on this podcast. I'm going to take draw line leads at Watford. It's plus 240. And here's my reasoning. I look at both of these teams, and I don't think either team are winners. Like If you put Leeds or Watford against any other team in this league, you're not going to pick them to win. And so with playing each other, I don't think they have that winning mentality. I think both are just really fighting for survival, which is usually, hey, one point is good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you get a 0-0 draw here. Maybe you get a 1-1 draw. I like the plus 240 value. You're never really going to be out of this. I don't think either team's going to run away with like a 2-0 win or a 3-0 win. So at any point, you could have just that random last-minute set piece or corner kick that evens things out because that team that's playing behind is getting more aggressive. Uh, so I like the draw line plus 240. Yeah. And Leeds, credit Jesse Marsh, they're playing a little bit better. A point for them is golden, right? <laughs> Couldn't be worse, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, next pick I got for my total, I'm taking the under two and a half goals, Norwich versus Burnley. I, I don't want to say this is a lock, 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 but it's about as much of a lock as you'll find. Uh, Norwich has the worst offense in the league. Burnley as a, is as difficult and frustrating to break down as anybody. So unless I get a 
another three goal performance from Burnley, which happened to be the last time I took an under on Burnley, then I should be good. However, they did just score three goals against Everton today. So I think that's all of their goals that they've got for the week. Maybe this is, ends up a zero, zero draw minus two and a half or under two and a half at minus minus one sixty. That's going to be my total pick for the week. And correct me if I'm wrong. The last two times we took Norwich unders, they both hit. Yes, that is also true. Cause again, worst offense in the league. They can't score. Um, and then my prop lock of the week, I'm going to do an audible. I had this written down on the doc, but I'm changing it. It's going right. to be Tottenham or Aston Villa to score a penalty is plus four thirty. So I had Tottenham at plus three ninety to score a penalty Tottenham or excuse me, plus four ninety to score a penalty. If you take both, it's plus four thirty. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I just have the vibe that this game is going to come down to a random handball or, you know, borderline tackle in the box. Uh, I think both teams are going to want to score. Both Harry Kane the didn't score last week. Say that if, if you're betting the penalty, you might as well bet Harry Kane too, because odds are decent. Because yeah. they're they're probably he's taking it. So I'm going to take Tottenham and ask or Aston Villa to score a penalty uh, as my prop lock of the week. All right, Nick, where are you going this week? All right, we're on fire over here. Like I said, we, we were three. I was three zero last recording. Um, crushed it in Vegas. I'm seeing the board clearly, as my my good friend Big Cat likes to say. Um, this is, this is an easy money line right here. I'm not overthinking it. It's Lazio. They're minus 110 at Genoa. Genoa is absolutely atrocious. Um, Lazio played really well last week, and Immobile didn't even score. Uh, I think they're, they're starting to, you know, not the same level as Roma, but they're starting to find their groove under Sadi, and this should be a no-doubter. You know, I don't know that it helps them to make premier European competition. I, I still think, you know, six is probably their ceiling. But this seems to me like a, a straightforward win for those guys. Minus one ten, they should be a, a much bigger favorite. Yeah, similar to Roma last weekend. I feel like one hundred percent. Sampdoria, similar line. Yeah, they were minus one fifteen. We we, yeah. got, we all and, cashed on that as well, and, and we cashed that one in. <laughs> um, and then for my total, this is you know this is where I'm going with the reverse logic. Uh, usually works for me when I lay it out this way. I like over two and a half goals. AC Milan at Torino. That's plus one ten. And I'll tell you why. Milan need the win. They've had five straight games of scoring one goal or less. They are absolutely due to break out. I think they win the game. I think they get two goals. Steve mentioned Torino is pretty tricky to play against. I think Torino could contribute a goal themselves. So I think we get to three in this one. It's plus money. Milan's going to break out. Yeah, you better hope Milan does a lot of the scoring because Torino has not been scoring much, but they, they do neither, concede neither in some matches. Yeah, neither so team it, has, and that's hey, why it's plus money. The reverse logic worked for me without Alonso a couple weeks ago, right? I called the under and hit, which is We're rare. In. So, And then my last one, I'm going with the other team from Rome that, like I said, just kind of a straightforward bet. This is a it's going to be a new one for us as well. I don't think anybody's taken one of these, but I am going with Roma money line first half against Salernitana. They are minus 155, a little steep. But they've been hot. We're just going to ride it until they let me down, um, which hopefully will not be this week. But Salernitano is in last place. Early lead. They should cruise. Let's cash this. All right. So my money line, I'm going Tottenham at Aston Villa. They're plus 125. I know they're on the road, but they're coming off a huge win against Newcastle 5-1. Five goals without Harry Kane scoring is impressive. Nick said Son is on fire last match. Kulisevsky has been phenomenal phenomenal yep. since uh, his incredible. arrival from Juve. You know, I wonder why. We, we know who to blame. <laughs> Mr. Dinosaur Bowl, Max Allegri, has to be the main reason, right? Um, it's not Arsenal. Just a product of being on a trash team like Juve. You get yeah. your escape and you're, you're good. And then Arsenal slipped up last weekend, like Scott mentioned. So 
Conte smells blood in the water, and I, he's not going to let his his troops let their guard down in this one. Top four is within reach. They have that makeup match against Arsenal coming up in a couple of weeks. So if they keep it within three points, then you know all the better. If with the head to head coming up, and I believe the head to head was at White Hart Lane, if I remember correctly. So that'll be big for them. Uh, in terms of my total, I'm going back to the same matchup. I think this one's going to have goals in it. Uh, the over two and a half is minus 120. Four of their last five head to heads have been over two and a half. Um, as I mentioned, Spurs has been scoring. And yeah. both teams have been involved in over two and a half goal matches in four of the last five weeks as well. So I, I expect this one to have goals, at least a two one in oh. favor of Tottenham, in my opinion. Coach doubling down on the Spurs game is doubling uh, down. It's, a, it's an interesting strategy. What can yeah. go wrong? I will <laughs> say, man, you. Although remember, the last time I took him was that draw no bet at City, and yeah. they came through for yeah, me. Yeah, they, they did. You're welcome then, for that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and then my prop, I'm going both teams to score in the Inter Hellas Verona match. Um, these two teams have had pretty decent offenses all year. Inter has been a little bit shakier of late, but I think they'll still score. Uh, first meeting was a 3-1 Inter win, and four of the last five head-to-heads between these two have gone over two and a half. Hellas has been really a revelation in terms yeah. of just their attack this year between Diego Simeone. So um, I'm going to cut you off, because yeah. you put this in there, and uh, one of the props I was looking at was actually Simeone's score. I think he's almost like plus 300 or something like wow. that, plus 290. That's um, a high so- number. It was it was pretty crazy. I, I believe that's what I saw that, and I almost put it down, but I couldn't do that to the listeners. And I believe he's tied with Tammy for third in the league in goals right now. Uh, actually, one ahead of Tammy, sixteen goals, so third with, in the capital race with the hundred million euro man. Tammy, he's tied with that that Tammy, hundred yeah, million Tammy. euros. And here's another interesting stat I saw on Twitter. It just reminded me because it involves Simeone and Tammy uh, in terms of goals okay. against like the top seven teams in the league. Those two have two of the best strike rates against top sides. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's incredible the lengths people will go to on Twitter to slam yeah. my boy Chiro because that's how <laughs> so, that that's how that graphic started. Well, <laughs> and, and actually, Chiro's not even doesn't even have four goals against the top oh, seven. No. Sides, but so Simeone has sixteen total goals in the league. Eight have been against the top seven. Tammy fifteen total goals, seven against the top seven. Um, and the third one, one you would probably never expect, Dries Merton, seven goals in the air, five against the top seven. This is a guy who's coming off the bench much this season, yeah. so interesting one there. But, I mean, um, yeah, just Simeone, to... just to you know help your Simeone case, he's scoring against the best teams. This is one of the best teams. I, I'm just trying to, to back you up here. I, I looked at him to score. I don't think any of us are making that lock, but that, that could be a half unit, a quarter unit bet. Um, I, I like him to score in this game, and I agree with Steve. I think both teams get on the score sheet here. Yeah, and then to close it out, we have our pod parlay coming back. Scotty, you mastermind this one. The architect. Mastermind our last, you know, big one that hit. So give it to us. Yeah, listen, the parlays come into play when there are storylines that are are just better than fiction, right? And we talked about it at the beginning of this this episode. We we have an Everton uh, blowing a two to one lead to Burnley that now puts them just one point above Burnley in the relocation battle uh, this weekend. Everton hosts Manchester United. And Burnley are traveling away to Carrow Road to play last place Norwich City. So I talked about that in my total bet. I'm taking under two and a half goals in this matchup. I think Burnley is probably the only one that's going to score. So if you were to take the Everton is going to be in the relegation zone come Monday storyline into play, you will have Manchester United money line plus Burnley money line parlay together gets you plus 380 odds. I don't, that has to happen. That storyline is incredible. It just has to happen. So I know we don't like rooting for or betting on Manchester United to come away with results, but 
I think with the way that Everton have playing are playing right now, the form that they're in, I think you can expect Manchester United to get something out of this, especially because they need it in order to stay in that top four contention. And on the other side, Burnley, you're not going to have another better chance to get three points the rest of the season. You're playing the worst team in the league. Throw everything that you've got at this at this match and hope that you have at least a one, if not two point lead uh, coming out of it with seven games to play, of which for Everton, two are against Leicester, one is against Chelsea, one is away to Liverpool, and one is against Arsenal. So good luck. you are in deep shit for Everton if you don't get anything out of this match. And in terms of the United, trusting United, I was looking at their, you know, team total over 1.5 or something because they're playing Everton. It was not even touchables, like minus two something. You have to go over two and a half to even get any kind of value. And that was still minus money. So that just shows what they expect from that match. Wow. So there you have it. There's our our pod parlay of the week. We got our locks of the week. Follow us on uh, Twitter at KicksPicksPod for all of our picks over the weekend. You you could also follow the three of us. We're all connected to that. Scotty loves to throw the picks out there too on his account. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to give us uh, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, help us build up the pod. And, you know, Appreciate again, tweet at us with your, your picks of the week. We'd love to see them. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you guys soon.